podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thunderstruck. Adjective. Shocked and amazed by the power of fun on Carnival. Riding Bolt, the world's first roller coaster at sea, Brian got thunderstruck so hard, his 93-year-old grandmother felt it 3,000 miles away in Nebraska and immediately booked a cruise. Hooray! Get thunderstruck starting at 289. Carnival. Choose fun. Cruises are in U.S. dollars per person, double occupancy. Taxes, fees, and port expenses additional. Restrictions apply. Full details on Carnival.com. Ships Registry, Bahamas, Panama. Mirror man, mirror man, you twist and turn my mind until I don't know who I am. Mirror man. Good evening and welcome to another absolutely depressing episode of the Arsenal Opinion Podcast. I am back in the mix on Skype with none other than Matt Candela. Good evening, good evening. How good you doing, Matt? How you doing? Ah, oh, same old shit, isn't it? Same oh, old shit. Sorry to call you in such tragic times. <laughs> I know, I know. We're right in the midst of uh, a real slump, aren't we? It's, it's a real slump, and I, I, I was just thinking about this today. Can you remember a period of time in the in the last ten years? You know, let's keep it let's keep it miserable, where we had so many PR fires going off all at the same time. Um, probably the end of Wenger's reign. Um, I mean, this feels like the end of Emery's uh, very short-lived reign um, because when things are going badly, it seems it's always like you can't put, you can't do anything right. And I think we're right in the midst of that. And it's clear that amongst a host of other problems, he's lost confidence. He's finding it impossible to make a decision. He was never good at making decisions, but he's finding it really difficult now. And when you lose your confidence, it's just a matter of time um, before the chop comes, I think. So, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's bad. Looking at Steve McLaren, to the, uh, not Steve McLaren, I've run room of punchline there. Um, looking at Unai Emery um, hiding under his, uh, his hooded jacket today, uh, very much reminded me of uh, Wally with the brolly, the headlines that the sun ran when they fell out of love with uh, the mighty Steve McLaren. Um, it, it looks on, o- ominous out there. A man that was so animated on the touchlines looks kind of distraught at the moment. Like he doesn't know where to, you know, th- thumb around for the answers. Yeah, it's, and, and it's a slow death, isn't it? Because I think, I mean, I saw someone say the best thing Unai Emery has done is finally unite the Arsenal fan base because I don't know a single Arsenal fan who wants him to stay. Not one. I don't, know, I don't know. I can't even. You can't even find one on Twitter. You, uh, you absolutely can't. It's uh, you, yeah. I think. I think. I think that the person that you saw say that was actually me. You know, Unai Emery's the greatest. The greatest achievement that he has is that the fan base are completely unanimous in their dislike for Emery, and and that really, really um, turned quickly. And I can't. I can't pinpoint what exactly it was. I think. So, uh, I think one of the writers. I think it was like Tim Stillman. He said the. After the Chelsea Europa League final, we didn't really, we didn't really, um, we didn't really dissect how bad it was. We just went away on our summer and hoped that we signed some good players. And I, I feel like that maybe that was festering in the back of people's heads because it really was insipid. Um, and then the season has pretty much picked off, um, picked up where that that left off. Um, so I, I wonder whether this is. Um, yeah, this- I think that's true. I, I mean, you forget just how sensationally cataclysmic. 
that end of season was. I mean, <laughs> we had to get a point at home from two games to get fourth. And we managed to balls it up. I mean, it was spectacular. And the reality is everything, the whole of last season was masked by that 22-game unbeaten run, um, which was extremely lucky. I mean, someone made the point today that Emery is actually a very lucky manager. <laughs> we're, far worse, we're far worse um, than, than, you, than the points total we have, uh, etc. So, um, so, yeah, it's, it's just spiralled. But I think he really needed to get off to a really, really strong start this season to put last season um, behind him. But instead, he was unable to do that. And so everyone is, rather than looking at just at this season, is almost looking back towards the end of last season. You know, all the statistics we're seeing, are, oh, Arsenal in, his, in their last 18 games. And, you know, we haven't managed to separate the two. And uh, we're, we're it, 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 it's bad. I mean, the other thing that is also a reminder, and it's interesting, I didn't really think about it, is, the Europa League, because the Europa League is a shitty old competition. It's fucking desperate, and, isn't it? And, ev and every time you play in it, you realise that the reason you're there is because you ballsed it up last season. <laughs> it's like you can't get closure, yeah. <laughs> you know, and you just look at it and you just go, fucking Emery, he's the reason we're playing. Vittoria, whatever, and instead of playing Ajax or Real Madrid or one of the top teams and it's just a reminder of how far you've how far you've fallen yeah especially after you know I, I took in um, the Dortmund Inter Milan game last night and just the, the quality of football you know Inter Milan uh, scored a scored a, a couple of great goals um, in the first half and you thought Conte's going to wrap this up and then um, Lucian Favre came out in the second half and, and, and Dortmund was sublime and they ripped into Milan apart and I also you know I, I know the Chelsea game wasn't of the same standard but like two young teams um, playing an exciting brand of football like really gunning for each other and you know I know it was 4-4 and that's not always the the best example of you know the purest football but it was still a lot of fun and then you you, you know Uno Emery brought Wednesday night football back to the Emirates um, but it was it was in the it, it was in the Europa League and uh, it, it was it was insipid and you know the, the crazy thing about the Europa League is that that's Uma that's Uno Emery's favorite competition that's uh, a moment of respite from the misery that he's being caused in the Premier League and the the negativity uh, that's happening in the first team like filtered down um, into an away game against a team that uh, that struggled against uh, up, you know in the league at the weekend against a team that was thirteenth. So uh, to bring um, to bring a little bit of um, a little bit of structure to this, I, I, I want I think that there are a number of things um, that I wanted to like quickly um, touch on that where, where I think uh, that, that could be uh, contributing to this um, th this massive cloud that's over Arsenal at the moment. Like firstly. Two, you know, is it two two weeks ago? Um, Emery came out in a press conference before uh, the Crystal Palace game and said, uh, "Meza Özil was not part of our plans, and that's a club strategy." Um, then there was there was a bit of there was a bit of uproar. Um, he started him against Liverpool. Meza put in a worldie, and now it seems that Emery is. Uh, so it seems that Meza Özil is back in the first team. Do you think the flip flopping on Meza Özil has impacted the authority? Of, of Emery in, in some way? Um, potentially, but I think the biggest thing is he's just a manager who doesn't know what he wants. He's unconfident. 
And when he came and joined Arsenal, we were all hoping that this was a guy with a clear plan who could imprint it on the team, who was going to tell us how to play, what to do. And it has, does make you realise how actually quite decisive Arsene Wenger was. And don't worry, I'm not going to start harking back to Arsene Wenger. But he was a pretty decisive and you realise how being indecisive can just destroy you as a football manager because Emery has been indecisive on Ozil, he's been indecisive on the captaincy, he's been indecisive on his formations, he's been indecisive on everything and I think that footballers just want to be told what to do and he has shown that he has a complete inability to do that. So it's more of a systemic problem than a Mesut Ozil problem. Ozil, Ozil is just one of the one of the symptoms, but it's something that it's just now sums up Unai Emery. He's, he's indecisive and he's not a leader. And talking of uh, non-leadership, uh, the, the Granite Jacker story, uh, if you take it in isolation, you could feel a little bit sorry for the player, but... Um, I mean, there's a lot of people at fault for this. Firstly, Unai Emery didn't make a decision on who was the captain in preseason when obviously he should have. Then, um, then he made him captain after the you know after he threw his strikers under the bus after making an error against Spurs and told everybody that we were scared against Watford. He made him captain after a democratic vote. And then, like, I'd love to get your opinion as a man that's travelled up and down the country, gone across Europe, um, following the Arsenal, and a man who's seen many terrible captains in the last ten years. What did you make of the Crystal Palace um, like blow up from Granite Jacker? I mean, um, it was sort of. I felt a little bit sorry for Jacker um, because he really was the scapegoat for discontent across the club. The reality is that, and I think we touched on it when we when we last podcasted, but Granite Jacker is not a bad player. He's a decent squad player. He is good enough to play a fair number of games in the Premier League. The problem was that he was made captain, and by account, that meant that he was going to be almost an automatic starter, and that was the biggest mistake. And he became a lightning rod for frustration. And the reality is, you just have to keep your cool, and the fans needed a lightning rod, as they always do, and he was it, and he should have just kept his head down, walked off, and dealt with it, because that's what he's paid to do. He's a professional footballer, and he didn't do it. And so, you know, he's, his position became uh, untenable. And I can see some frustrations, because it's never been about his work rate. It's, it's just his abilities. I mean, it's sort of sad. It's just not good enough. And But his attitude's never really been in question. And this was the first time, actually, that you could really call his attitude into question. And it's all it's all a bit unfortunate. And I, I think he's, he's probably done. I don't think he's the kind of guy who's going to uh, try and turn it around in this case. And and that's fine. But uh, but I blame I blame the coach because... You know, we talk about IQ, but we've got to talk about EQ and emotional intelligence. Yes, 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 and you yes. Just, and you just have to say, 
do you are you just stupid because it's great you can just make a decision and make this all go away and yet you're inviting it all upon yourself it just seems like uh it's sort of suicidal by emery well the, I, the, the, there are a few things that, that that came to mind around this whole jacket thing firstly you have to, if you believe in Granite Jacker as a player, you make him captain like day one of the season, right? He's he he's my captain. You make you make the fans aware of it in August so they can digest it and deal with it over the preseason when you know you're in America and you know everyone's everyone's soaking up the sun on their on their summer holidays. To to allow it to go until the end of September, told the fans. I'm not. I'm not really sure about this, and, and whether the fans like to admit it or not, there's an element of there. There's, there's an element of the, of you that thinks we can probably get under the skin of Emery here. The 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 second part is um, taking them off against Sheffield United on 70 minutes is a damning indictment. You know that says that I you know I don't think you're doing a good enough job against a newly promoted team. Then the next week to take him off on 60 minutes. Is even worse. I mean, like, what, like, what do you think the reaction is going to be from the home fans? They already know that you're umming and ahhing about whether this 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 lead captain out of your pod of five is good enough, and then you humiliate him in front of the ground. So, Granite Jacker, when he hears his name called, is immediately thinking, "Shit, I'm the leader of this team, and the manager is saying that I'm not good enough." And I, you know, I, I, I did a podcast with um, with Lee the other day, and he said you know, that the the jeers in the ground were about him slow walking. Uh, and you know, this is fair, you're, you know, we're chasing a game and your captain's slow walking off, but I don't think it was anywhere near the levels of vitriol that Arsene Wenger took at Stoke Station or Emmanuel Boué took after being subbed, um, you know, subbed on and subbed off within 15 minutes. So, <laughs> but but then, then the next part, you know, you, you throw your arms up, you tell the fans to fuck off. I, I don't think that was the the big issue. I think the issue was that Emery came out and Emery, Emery took a, you know, a, a, a drive by shooting to his backside uh, when he appointed him captain. Like he, you know, he, he, he went out on the limb, even if it was late, he went out on the limb when he was under pressure. If the manager comes out and says that you did wrong, you come out and you apologize immediately. And I didn't think the fans needed the apology. I think Emery needed the apology because he lacks authority with the squad already. So for Granite Jacker to not respond for three days, then to respond on an Instagram story in German, um, and then that Instagram story is then put in the club program. It just makes everybody look stupid. I don't think Emery had a choice, but let's be honest. It's probably the happiest, the luckiest accident he's had um, all season because now he doesn't have that you know that issue of having to play somebody that's not really suited to the Premier League. Yeah, but the problem is I think he's lost the dressing room, um, and by not handling it in a certain way. And what's clear is that Xhaka is a very popular part of the dressing room, and I think what happened, what we saw is that they saw Emery throw Xhaka under the bus after the uh, after the. Um, after it all happened, do you really think he was thrown uh, under the bus? Like I, I thought, that everything that Emery said was 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 pretty spot on. I thought he was. I mean, I would have done it differently, um, and I think we talked about this on the last part. But yeah, I more eloquent. Said, yeah, it just felt like oh, he's done wrong and whatever, and it's like, uh, you know, it made <laughs> it made you heart back for the Arsene Wenger thing, which is 
always support your player and then deal with it behind closed doors. Because it, he's not enough of a disciplinarian, Emery. He's, he's, his position is too untenable at the moment for him to be anything. In fact, the way he re- reacts and interfaces with his players is the same way that he reacts and interfaces as a manager in that he's always reactive. He doesn't have a philosophy on how he deals with players. Is he a disciplinarian? Is he their friend? Is he their leader? Is he their boss? Is he their big brother? Is he, you know, what is he? he? He doesn't have a style that you can definitively say. He came in and we thought he was a disciplinarian. But if anything, he's been the complete opposite because there is now less discipline at the club than there was under Arsene Wenger because at least under Arsene Wenger, they wanted to do right by him. <laughs> now, now they're just running riot. Uh, well, I, I know, and then you read the Miguel Delaney story about um, the players, uh, the players saying things uh, d- like taking the piss out of him behind his back. Things worse than good evening. Uh, so I can imagine the um, I can imagine the sort of banter that's going on behind the scenes. Um, I, th- I think the dressing room thing really is a, like I think it goes beyond just the captaincy. I think you are absolutely spot on when you say that football players just need to be told what to do. And I don't think that they're getting that from Emery. There's a there's a there's a, a Spanish ESPN journalist that everybody was flagging as the first person to say that Emery wasn't right for Arsenal. Uh, by the way, if you're one of those people, fuck you. Uh, like I put my neck on the line earliest and went harder than anybody on Emery. If anybody should be getting those retweets, it's me. But I get it. I get it. I get it. Nobody likes to grow. Um, but I'm not bitter about that. But um, he basically said that like Emery throughout his, um, throughout the, you know, his history of, of management has always been seen as a walkover by his players. And he, w- you know, he alluded to the fact that he was quite surprised that it's taken Arsenal players so long to, um, to, to fathom that you know, he can be rolled. So you've now got a situation uh, where... Uh, Jacker, obviously a big personality in the dressing room, is going to switch off. And, you know, like the, when the king is dethroned, he's always a problem. You generally have to kill him. Um, then you've got Meza Ozil, who's been a problem um, for the entirety of uh, Emery's tenure. And, like, regardless of what his influence is as a, as a personality, he's still a big-name player that thinks the manager is shit. Uh, then you've got uh, somebody like Lacazette, um, who looked very angry at coming coming off um, uh, in in the last game, liking uh, troops posts about getting Emery out, and then you've got David, <laughs> then you've got David Luiz, and I, I look at David Luiz. He's like um, he's like the mate that goes to the toilet when you're in the Weatherspoons, and there's a fight kicking off, and he doesn't know who started the fight, but he just wants a ruck. And I just can't believe that he's not there rubbing his hands, thinking that he's going to take down Emery because Emery has got to be easy meat. To, to a divisive player like that, so all of the um, all, all, all of the vital ingredients for uh, Emery out cake are, uh, are being mixed at the moment. And well, I think and and I think there's there's something very interesting that last four games we've given away the lead and drawn them all or whatever. I think it's up four. It is four, but, yeah. But I mean, that says to me, you know, taking your foot off the gas a bit. You know, not entirely focused, not throwing your body on the line until the last minute to protect the win. You know, and in, high, and in, in, in an elite level sport, all you need to do is take your foot off the gas five percent. Yeah, and you can, and you'll, and you'll concede and get it sloppy. And I, I just think it, there's something interesting about that, and it sort of protects their reputation. It's not like we're getting hammered every week. It's just 
bad bad draws, bad lazy, bad lazy draws. Yeah. And uh, when when you try and round up um, what Emery Ball is, uh, it is. It's a pile of steaming shit. It is, it is. It is. We conceded. Uh, we conceded 15 shots tonight. I think we averagely concede 16.3 shots a game. I think that's up uh, like on average four on what Wenger was in his in his last season. Um, so when's he going to go, Pete? When's he going to go? Well, okay. So that I think that I think that that moves us on to uh, section two of of the podcast because I wanted the, I, I want to talk about a few a few realities of the situation that we've got at Arsenal at the moment. Everybody gave Don Raul um, a lot of praise for his summer antics. He basically went out and uh, he spent uh, a lot of money on players that we thought were going to be great. Uh, David Luiz... not looking, it's, it's not looking so good now, is it? Because no. David Luiz has been absolutely shocking. Pepe, let's be honest, has been absolutely shocking. Yeah. Chibayos has been absolutely terrible. Yeah. Uh, this may sound a little bit harsh, but they've all been shit. They've uh, the only good player so far this season has been um, Gabriel. Really, if you're completely honest. <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, so, uh, and he and he's not even in the first team. No, and uh, so so <laughs> what? The, what I wanted to talk about is um, uh, Don Raul. Don Raul. Don Raul has had a, a a lot of praise, and I am not hearing. I haven't been hearing great things about him for a while, but obviously he, I didn't want to go too deep into it because, uh, you know, the sheen of the summer um, was, was still bright. But um, I'm, I'm not hearing great things about him, and I'm not sure that anything that we're seeing um, really reflects particularly well on him. So I think that a few things that the fans need to understand. Uh, Unai Emery is, is Raul's signing. It's his player. It was it's his coach. He brought well, and, and Gazidis. Gazidis was the CEO at the time. Yeah, Gazidis was CEO, but Gazidis um, is not a footballing man. Uh, Raúl is. So I, I think that if you uh, like, I, I just wanted to refer back to um, like some of the some of the things that were written at the time, and like if you if you look back to the the press conference that that Gazidis did, the first thing that he says is like nobody nobody really expected to hire in um, Unai Emery. Um, so a few things to note. Like, he was a last-minute addition because he was just getting fired at PSG. He beat out Allegri and Ralph Rangnick. Uh, like, uh, Allegri, sure, we might not have had the players, but he was he's an elite coach regardless. Um, and if we were looking for pragmatism, that's your man. Uh, Ralph Rangnick has built three, uh, three, almost four clubs now from scratch, um, and he's got a vision, a philosophy... And you know, like it's, he plays exciting attacking football. So Emery, Emery beat him out. Um, he uh, he applied for the job or, or got put forward for the job on the tenth of May, and he was hired on the eighth of May. The this, this is great. So this was the criteria. Well, he, he was put forward on the tenth of May and was hired on the eighth of May. He was yeah. He was put forward in that first interview on the tenth of May and he was hired on the eighth. So that so that's, me- that's that's two days before he was put forward. Uh, no, no, sorry. No, oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, yeah, Jesus Christ. Uh, he, we hired him within eight days. He was put forward on the 10th and he was hired on the 18th. Right, right, right. So uh, anyway, um, dates aside, we, we hired him in eight days after, you know, like knowing that Wenger was out the door for three months. So like, listen to this. Uh, Ivan Gazidis, we had some clear criteria that we were looking for in our selection. The first was progressive entertaining football. 
a personality that fits with Arsenal's values and also a record of developing players, in particular young players, through detailed tactical instruction and also through cultural demands, pushing players and demanding more from them. Uh, and then, then they go on to talk about uh, the review process. They look through and analyze um, every coach in the world in this interest in the position. Um, we don't believe there's a position you know, that's better than Arsenal. But basically, they said they deeply analyzed him. Um, and then they said that Emery came in uh, well-prepared, a detailed knowledge of Arsenal Football Club. Um, he had analysis already to share with them. So I don't know whether someone slipped that to him uh, because he'd only just been fired by uh, PSG. And he had an in-depth knowledge of our off-the-field team and how they can contribute to Unai moving forward. So it's uh, like... Casidis has always been a good talker, hasn't he? It was a good, that's a good little brief. Yeah, so, but, but like, uh, like need, needless to say, he was uh, a last-minute shoo-in from Raul. So Raul uh, owns that. Uh, like, and Raul must have been the translator in the interview. So when they said that, like, when everybody said that they were inspired, they must have been inspired because Raul was inspiring the conversation. So they hired a manager that didn't speak English and, like, they didn't do their due diligence because uh, Unai Emery has no record of building defences. He has... Uh, no, has a bad record with like big egos uh, making decisions. He plays negative football and he can be rolled by players. So they basically just went with Raul's decision. Um, now, well, like move move into in, into the current moment, and Raul is having dinner with Jose Mourinho. That's a story that was reported by the Times uh, by a proper journalist. There is definitely smoke there. Um, we are we are entrusting the next phase. Of, of of Arsenal's future with a man that has blown a hideous amount of money, has made some incredibly bad decisions um, like off the pitch, and now he's out having dinner with Jose Mourinho. Mourinho is an arsonist, and if we don't hire Mourinho, uh, the the next on the list is Freddy Lundberg. Freddy Lundberg uh, went with uh, Jonker to Germany and uh, and relegated a team. So now we're in, now now we're in a situation where hiring Emery is almost the least bad option. So I just wanted to, you know, like, like Don, Don Raul is looking fraudulent at the moment. Like, how can, how can we trust a man that was, gen, that was genuinely inspired by Unai Emery? So tell me, like, Matt, what, like, let, let's talk two, two phases here. Uh, do you stick with Unai Emery to the end of the season? Do you twist and go with Freddie Lundberg? Or is it bust? Jose Mourinho. Because let's be completely honest, Jose Mourinho is the worst decision that Arsenal could make. Like he seems bright and shiny, but that guy is a fucking arsonist. Has a terrible record um, with Arsenal. Um, I, I can't even believe that the owners would consider him. They're, you know, they're not checkbook owners. It just feels like a disaster all over. But like, tell, me, tell me your read of the situation, because I've been gabbling on for too long. Well, I think we have to get rid of Emery now. And a lot of people, I saw someone say, what's the point of waiting till Leicester? We all want to get rid of him. Why don't we just do it now? And I think now is the moment we have to get rid of him. I think that the ideal scenario is that we have a long-term progressive replacement lined up. But I think given our normal behaviour the chances of that are basically diddly squat. So I think that we have a couple of options. We either give Freddie the job till the end of the season, 
while we go and try and recruit the best person available in the market is option one, yeah. which is, for me, not a terrible option because I've already given up on this season and we'll give him as much leeway as he needs and nothing, nothing good is going to happen this season anyway. So if, if we think that they can find someone, that's not a terrible option. Option two is Jose Mourinho, and you go, well, I'd probably back him to get us fourth if he came in. The problem is we'd then give him a job, and he'd then implode the football club. Um, but it feels relatively low risk, because I can't see them giving him anything other than until the end of the season. I don't know if they'd give him a, a three-year contract. I don't know. Um, and then option three is that we go out and get someone really great now. Um, and just surprise everyone by by doing it because, you know, there are there are people out there who would add a lot of value. But I'm of the firm belief that just anything is better than what where we are now. Yeah, I mean, it's such a t- it's such a difficult decision because it seems like every option is a bad one. If you stick with Unai Emery. Um, you know, we're going to have an empty stadium by February. You know, I don't, I don't care about protests and people booing in the stadium. I think it's, you know, like when when the fans don't even want to turn up for a three o'clock Saturday kickoff, that really is a, a, a dangerous sign. Ultimately, I think that's what um, convinced the board to move Wenger on because people weren't showing up. I think Freddie Lundberg is part of the mess. Um, I love him to bits, but, you know, he's out there on the training ground. Um, we're not doing the absolute basics right Um you know, I know that a lot of people will say, well, you know, you, you wanted Arteta. Uh, Arteta's coming from a winning machine, working with the best manager in the world and being held up as responsible for Raheem Sterling's development. I think that's a bit different to Freddie. But ultimately, Freddie does have the love of the fans. Um, he's an excellent communicator and the young players talk highly of him. You know, I think that they would go to war for him and they're not going to war for Emery. But I still don't think it's uh, a great solution. I also think it's unfair to give a, a, a young manager their first job in a complete fucking mess. But Jose Mourinho, um, like, I, I, I just can't believe that Raul has been with Arsenal for two years and he can't read the situation. I think it's as divisive a decision to hire Mourinho as it, as it you know, as it would be to, f- I, don't, I don't even think that, I was trying to say, you know, it's a divisive decision to get rid of Emery, but it's absolutely not. I just think it's, I, I just think like putting an, another divisive manager in isn't great form. Um, well, I think you've got to, I, th- I mean, the, the, the worrying thing about the Mourinho piece is it would be an incredibly divisive move, but more than that, it would be an incredibly arrogant move because no one can doubt that there are massive question marks over Mourinho after Manchester United, but even before that, after his his spell at Chelsea, and I know he won the league, but it really did go did really go south. The way he threw the um, the way he threw the the physios under the bus, you know, just like nasty, bitchy, poisonous behaviour. And 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 so and so the point I'm taking is it's one thing to take a moral stand when you think that this, the guy is still brilliant. So before he came back to Chelsea. You know, obviously everyone at Arsenal hated him before he came back. Um, but if if that was the time and, and, and everyone was like, well, we should get him back, we should bring him in as manager of Arsenal because he's a proven winner, at least everyone can be united about the fact that he's a proven winner, even if they think he's also a complete arsehole. Whereas at the moment, there are so many major question marks about him as a coach right now that 
it it would just seem an incredibly peculiar and risky decision to get behind. And it would sort of feel like, you know, we really are just in bed with the super agents making the world of football tick, but with no real regard for what it actually means for the club. It's, it would feel much more like a like a like a like a job and just the cycle of football, you know. And I I think I think that that point that you made there, Matt, is is absolutely perfect. Like a lot of people are complaining that we're you know we'd be sacrificing our values by hiring Mourinho. Like don't don't look at it like Arsenal fans don't have a winning mentality. Like you're not buying a winner. You're buying someone that isn't at the cutting edge of football. You're buying somebody that couldn't take Man United to a Premier League win despite spending 300 million. I mean, I know everybody's criticizing Ole Gunnar Solskjaer at the moment, but look at the fucking mess the the poor guy picked up. I, you know, I don't think he's an elite coach, but um, at the same time, like Mourinho really tanked a squad of players that uh, that he had his fingerprints all over. His his um his vision of football isn't where the game's going at the moment. I mean, uh, uh, there's a video doing the rounds at the moment of uh, Thiago Motta's uh, Genoa side. And I know that it's early days, but, you know, like this is a guy that's playing like a, uh, a 272 formation. Like that's what, that's where, that's, he thinks that, you know, flooding the midfield is how you, you end the power and pace era. And you've just got to look at the football that Genoa are playing after three games. I don't know whether he's got staying power, but like at least there's an exciting vision there. It's like, are we really going to double down on a manager that doesn't believe in possession? A manager that believes the best way to win the mind games is to create uh, like a PR disaster around the football club. I just, I just can't believe that we do it, and I can't believe that Raúl would be so unbelievably irresponsible in taking that dinner. But I hope that he's got the message. And look, there are some really, really exciting coaches um, in in the world of football at the moment. I think that um, uh, you know, in, in the the sort of middling tier where we where we're probably going to have to play. I mean, just just as an aside, I think if we were going to hire a pragmatic manager, we should have hired Conte when he was being fired by Chelsea. I wrote about it at the time. You know, he'd just you know fallen out with the CEO of Chelsea and you know looked like a brat all season. So you know, it, it wasn't the obvious choice. But like, look at what he's doing at Inter. But then you've got like the sort of middle tier of Matt or, or the you know nearly elite tier. Like Lucien Favre has done a absolutely fantastic job with Dortmund with all those young players like he's you know he's a real tactician very exciting coach you've got Ten Hag at at Ajax you've got Fonseca who's like bringing his exciting almost Manchester City like version of football to Roma I still think Arteta's in the mix I don't think Patrick Vieira is doing a bad job at Nice like there are lots of options that we could bring to the table I just really fear We'll either make a bad decision by giving Freddie a three-year deal if he does, a, you know, has a ten-game run, um, the, the the board like, or worse, I think we get into bed with Mourinho, he somehow stumbles us to top four, and then we're stuck in a three-year cycle with a manager that's just going to burn the place down. Jesus, it's not exciting, is it? I, I know, I know, but you know, like Edu, who doesn't appear to be up to much at the moment. I mean, apart from. Um, Sacking Steve Morrow and um, you know seven other people out of the blue, which um, doesn't sound like that. You know, if, if that was as pretty as the way that they got rid of um, Lewin, 
Um, I, I, can't, I can't imagine that that's filling the training ground with much joy at the moment. But, you know, like there, there is an opportunity to make a smart decision. And I, 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 like the, the more I think about what you said about, you know, letting Freddie run it to the end of the season or at least running it to January when there might be more managerial options because some managers would have gone out of the Champions League. Some managers just might fancy a change. I feel like that could be the, the, the most positive direction. Yeah, and 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 look, and I, if I'm if I'm Raúl, like I, there's part of me that goes, if I want to go for that pragmatic winner, then why don't I go for Allegri? You know, he's out of work. Um, he's going to cost the same as Mourinho. It's not going to cost more than Mourinho, is he? Um, so and he's uh, much more uh, relevant to the now, right? You know, he's got to Champions League semi-finals in the last, you know, in the last few years. Juventus were competitive above their their level, really, when you look at wage spend um, to achievement on the pitch with the European big boys. And you know, I, I think he would be the if you want to look because Mourinho is the you know the stupid thing is he is the he, he, he he's supposed to be the safe bet. But he's not even the safe bet anymore. He's the dangerous safe bet, if that makes sense. So um... he is because you know the thing with Mourinho is, uh, you know, I'm completely with um, with the fans that say, yeah, but you know, like he could get us to top four. And I think on paper, like you go, well, you know, he's he's won the league within the last um, five years. He took Manchester United to second. He's not that bad. But it's it's such a short lived moment where you feel like he's progressing. And then it comes undone every single time. Even when he was at his best, it just comes undone. And at least when he was at his best, um, he was, you know, he was finger gouging his way um, to Champions League finals. I think that I think the body of work um, at Inter Milan was, you know, one of the greatest achievements in in, in 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 the modern era. But he just doesn't have that anymore. And I think a lot of it comes down to the fact that, like, after twenty years, you lose that curiosity. You know, you've, once you've won it all, do you really care? You like the spotlight, but does is, does he really want to challenge his notion of what the game should be? Certain managers, Alex Ferguson, Pep Guardiola, they, they're constantly refreshing their vision of what football should be. Mourinho, uh, I, I know that there's like, you know, I've, uh, one of my friends was um, talking about the hope that, um, you know, Mourinho is refreshing his backroom team for the first time in 20 years. But I just feel he's such an egomaniac and he's got such a track record of, um, you know, of who he is. You know, he didn't get the Barcelona job because he refused to change who he was in the press. I just can't see him changing that much. I mean, like, yeah. what, what, what do you think? Can a, can a leopard change its spots? Well, I think, um, you know, you talk, and it's the same that runs in business and it's the same that runs everywhere, which is the more established you become, the more you feel the need to prove your and validate your way of doing things. But when you're a young coach or a young business, you seek to disprove the status quo. Hence, when you talk about uh, people using a 272 formation, it's because they want to go, is there a better way of doing this? Is there another way? Can we improve on it? And the thing about Mourinho is that the first instinct is the first thing that he has to do is he has to prove that his way of doing things is the right way of doing things. And it's the same with all of these coaches, the same with Mourinho, it's the same with Arsene Wenger. They almost become even more entrenched in their way of doing things. Arsene Wenger became, 
more of a purist year on year. Jose Mourinho becomes more of a pragmatist year on year. You know, you forget that Jose Mourinho built some exciting footballing teams. First, uh, first Chelsea team was electric. It was electric, and he and you know he got a bit of stick, but um, that was jealousy. Um, but you know he was able to combine you know athleticism, uh, resolute defending, incredible attacking. But you know the more people said, "Oh, you're boring, you're boring, you're boring," the more he tried to prove that pragmatism could uh, could be a winning formula. Um, and so I think it's it, it's really interesting, but I think. He is not, barring some sort of lobotomy, going to try and uh, change his approach to uh, to football. I mean, I saw a, a clip of him talking about Arsenal and attacking, and it sounded good. But, you know, it would sound like an interview question. And the reality is, um, he is what he is. He's a certain beast. Uh, and there's no doubt he could, he could instantly get a lot more out of the squad than Unai Emery. But... Um, we're looking for the reality is we're looking for the next Arsene Wenger, the same guy who made the impact that Arsene Wenger did when he came in in 1996. And I think that that means that we need a, we need a risky appointment. We need a young coach. Uh, we need someone to come in and shake things up and bring something fresh and surprise us. Um, and I think that's what that's what we all that's what we all crave more than an Allegri or more, more than a Mourinho. We want to be excited again because it's been so long. And, and uh, that's that's when you get into like this is what I feared when we hired Emery. When an Emery signing goes wrong, see David Moyes, the fans shriek for a winner. We need a winner, and then it, like that's not how you hire. Um, uh, f- for a, for a manager, especially when you're Arsenal Football Club, because um, hiring winners generally means hiring managers that do the best with huge transfer budgets. We need to hire an innovator or someone that can maximise the squad. That's why Nagelsmann is such an interesting manager because he gets the maximum out of the tools that he's afforded. Like what he did at, um, at Hoffenheim was phenomenal, um, and you know, like. Marco Rose, um, you know, invincible season at Salzburg, took them a long way in the Europa League. That is phenomenal for the resources um, that they have. And now he's top of the Bundesliga with Mönchengladbach. Like, those are the sorts of, you know, visionary hires. Like you say, they are they are risky. They don't come laden with trophies. But, like, do you want to hire the, the person that's won trophies elsewhere under completely different circumstances and assume that that's going to work for Arsenal? I mean, because that's the thing with Allegri, right? Like, he's won a lot of trophies, but does does the sort of team and players that he need, does, does it appear like we have that at Arsenal? I don't think so. Like, we've got um, a flare front three. Um, you know, we've got a kind of loose defence. Like we've got a lot of interesting, like, technical players. Like, you need a manager that can do something with that, not somebody with a, a tried-and-true formula like a Louis van Gaal or whoever else is, is out there. I mean, like, you know, Rafa Benitez even seems sexy at the moment, but, like, is that driving the club forward? Is that the sort of... Is he going to instill the sort of football and discipline that we want to be watching three years' time in the Champions League? I don't think so. Well, it's going to shape up to be a very interesting week, and um, and and it could all be it could all be changed by the weekend. Yeah. So, um, like, give me give me your predictions. Like, are we going to beat Leicester three 0 
I think we're gonna we're gonna draw or we'll lose Leicester. Probably draw. Um, I think we'll surprise people with a draw. Um, but I think the decision's already been made. Do you think um, it will happen think, before the international break, or do you think that we'll do it a bit later? I think it'll happen after the Leicester game, and then we'll have the international break to uh, figure it out. Um, and then I think they'll decide whether they make Freddie interim, or whether there's someone in mind that they want to bring in, and they and they and they and they and they risk it. Um, maybe we can be surprised. But maybe, the last maybe, point, maybe. the last point uh, before we go is that I think people sort of tend to hire in their own image. And so it shouldn't be a surprise that Don Raul, who is a sort of slightly bloated uh, football traditionalist in, in some respects, he's sort of, sort of about, about eight, ten years out of date, just, just, just by observation. Uh, so it shouldn't be a surprise who he's looking at and the types of, uh, of people and, uh, and, and attitude. So um, An establishment man making an establishment hire, right? He's trying to announce himself in the upper echelons of you know, football agentry. Well, I think, I think the biggest thing is I think he's got an ego, uh, and this is all second-guessing, but it feels like he's got an ego, and he wants to make a big-name hire to, to show that he is at a big-name club. Um, but the danger of that is that yeah, he can end up with a very stale, stodgy person. And like I said, I feel like Arsenal right now needs a young, progressive, interesting A healer, healer of a manager. So, you know. Oh, and I don't know what, heal me. Yeah, and I don't understand. Like, why wouldn't, why wouldn't the, the club want to make a king instead of hiring a, you know, a, a, fallen, a fallen one? We need a we need an Eileen Drury. Was that her name? Eileen yeah, Drury. Yeah, she. What, what a character. We, so just just quickly before you go, um, uh, Arsene Wenger linked heavily to the Bayern Munich job. Couldn't be happier. What do you What do you think? I kind of want him to get it. I mean, it's so sad. But I just like just come on, give him a job. We want him to have it. We want him to do well. Yeah. Um, fuck me. We. Arsene Wenger was done at Arsenal. He was absolute toast. He was, we had to get rid of him. Um, but uh, I still love him. Yeah, and, and maybe he's learned, maybe he's gone, you know, maybe he's taken this sabbatical to heart and gone and find, you know, gone and found a, a, an up-and-coming coaching team that could reinvigorate him. So good luck to Arsene Wenger. Am I, am I the only one who was like, I wonder what Serge Nabry is thinking? Or, or telling the rest of the squad. Is he excited? Is he disgusted? Is he? What well, he well Hon- Honigstein. Um, well, I know that. Uh, like I've heard through the grapevine that Serge, Serge Gnabry was absolutely like flabbergasted at some of the tactical decisions Wenger was making on a pre-season tour of France before he eventually left after the Olympics. But um, the Rafa Honigstein has said that he is like Wenger isn't on the shortlist. I mean, it would be balmy for a team that wants to win the Champions League and tighten up their defence to go out and bring in Arsene Wenger. But, it, but you know, I guess the case in point here is uh, if, if Bayern are looking at Arsene Wenger, that does tell you that there are limited options. Apparently, Ralph Rangnick wouldn't even pick up the phone to them. Maybe, um, he's, uh, maybe he's coming to Arsenal this weekend. Yeah, maybe he is. And uh, I am glad that you picked up the phone to me tonight because I was very keen to get a podcast out. Thanks for joining. Uh, if you're listening to the podcast, remember, just get into iTunes, write a lovely little review, uh, say how much you love listening to me and Matt. Streaming the biggest live events. 
from Super Bowl 56 to complete coverage of the Winter Olympics. It's all the unbelievable sports to love. Sign up now at PeacockTV.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.